I am Alessandra Torsani, and this is Emotional Support, and I am here with a very beautiful, gorgeous, inside and out. Um, You are a sunshine, happiness of light. I'm just creating words because I don't even know how to put them together for you. Everyone, please welcome Larissa Lars May. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) This is very exciting that you're here right now because you are coming all the way from the big city of New York and you are here living your best life. Hell yeah. And we are really enjoying you here in Los Angeles. I feel like you're kind of a new person. You're loving the sunshine. You are going to the beach. You are used to being a Brooklyn bitch. And now you are here, like, living your best life. Now I'm a Hollywood bitch. Now you're a Hollywood (laughs) bitch. Well, welcome. And we are very excited that you are here today. And just a little, what is it, like a prequel? Just a little, that's not a word. Anyways, guys, I'm blonde. It doesn't make sense. But anyways, how I really know Lars is we met at the Kindred event um, that I talk about a lot on this show, which was really the inspiration that kind of kicked me in the ass to be like, okay, you know what? It's time to do emotional support. It's time to do this podcast. And you were there and it was a mental health retreat and we all got together and we superpower brained all of our ideas together and you came and you spoke. And um, when you spoke, it was not only eloquent and beautiful, but it really touched every single person in the room. And all I kept thinking about was, okay, can this girl, like, be a part of my life forever? And you are here, and I really appreciate that. And I want the whole world not in a boring, this is my job kind of way, but I want people to know what half the story is, and then we can really get into it. Well, thank you for having me here. That was like a mouthful. I kind of like no, just but was like, that, I know what I'm getting when I'm here with you, so it's fine. <laughs> we're, ga- we're both Gemini's. It's going to be like four people talking right yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to have four conversations. <laughs> get ready for it. Four conversations plus emotions. It's going to get crazy. Oh God, it's going to um, get crazy. <laughs> but that's what we're here. For. That's what we're here for. Exactly. Um, but anyways, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Aww. I mean, half the story has been wow. A four year journey now. Started, four years. Started out in my college dorm room. Really started as an art project. Like one of those things that you're like, oh, this is cute. I'm going to, you know, kind of try to solve a a big world problem and not take it that seriously. And then really evolved into something bigger. And it started out of my own struggles with mental health as it related to social media Um, and really thinking about how social media was exacerbating my emotions and my feelings and recognizing that I had to choose which side of the coin I wanted to be on. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a part of the solution and not the problem. And so with that, Half the Story is a nonprofit on a mission to empower the next generation's relationship with social media and technology. So think physical wellness, but digital wellness. And that's where everything is going right now. I mean, you just came back from Sundance. I thought Sundance was just for movies. Silly old me. The actress <laughs> didn't know that all the tech companies are there now. But it's true. And and what I know, what Sturgis told me, what you told me is everything is in this digital world is completely changing. And it's all about digital wellness. And this was something that was very new to me. I couldn't even believe that this is already where our brains are going and where the future is looking to. And I think it's super important because we have children that are glued to their phones. And I know as a 32-year-old adult, and I use that term loosely, adult, (laughs) like social media like fucks me up. Oh, yeah, totally. And And how is it going to be for these kids? And we need to start learning, like, what is the wellness solution? You know, we can say, like, okay, you know, uh, soda is bad for you. 
right? And sugar's bad for you and this is bad for you. But we don't know what's bad and what's good for you because we have no one telling us in the digital wellness space. Absolutely. And it's also, too, about building healthy relationships with technology in the same way that you have to build a healthy relationship with In-N-Out Burger or with whatever these other vices can be in your life. And that's sort of the world and the stance that we take in half the story is that technology isn't going anywhere. Social media isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. Mm-hmm. The difference between you and the next gen, these you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, is that they're growing up behind screens. They're not learning right. how to live with them. And as a result, they're the least empathetic. They're losing sleep. They're spending more time alone. And we're in a loneliness epidemic. And all of that can be nipped in the butt with the right training, like CBT for digital wellness, in the same way that we taught kids how to build healthy relationships with other substances and you know behaviors in the world what's cbt for digital wellness like cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy yeah so how do they do it with yeah so the digital space? yeah so i mean i always try to create these analogies for you know Please. as you think about solutions right like this vision and this mission is such a big thing to take on. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that we've been experimenting a lot with is like, how do you actually get people engaged? And it's not by, you know, putting a textbook in front of them or having them, you know, watch a seminar or whatever that is. It's about allowing these people's stories and their brains to be a part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So for us, what we're building, we did a small pilot last year, is basically a digital wellness boot camp that teachers can start implementing in the classroom, paired with exercises kids can use at home. And also, you know, something that they want to be a part of and that's fun and experiential and that's why you know we created the play that's why we do these dynamic events because if we want these kids to be a part of something they want to have to wear they they should want to wear it on their sleeve and the play that you did can you explain to us what the play was because i was so mad that i was not in new york when this happened i think that we might have to bring it to la Um, i think so what yeah we've been thinking a lot about it but anyways anywho so brain food it was really a show making mental health digestible and so i partnered with two of my friends haley and philip yeah, it was amazing. And it was during brunch on the weekends and people came for the theater, but you know, they left with real knowledge. And so yeah. what we did is we partnered with young millennial and Gen Z um, actors in New York and created six 10 minute shows to investigate the relationship between mental health technology in the world. And also as a part of that, we had a mental health matchmaking therapy partner on site and people were able to get connected to therapists, but also leave with localized Whoa, I resources. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that was a big part of it is that I think especially in mainstream media, one of the things that Hollywood specifically is trying to figure out is like, how do you have these hard conversations, but also pair them with knowledge and learning and resources so Mm -hmm. that people can walk out that door, not only seeing themselves in that story, but also taking action. Right. And so for us. It was really critical to find a partner, a technology partner in New York that specialized in pairing young people who didn't have insurance to therapists that were more affordable mm-hmm. because it's very expensive. And then it's so expensive. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems that we have. And that's something that I hope with help with people like you and other fantastic people that I've met in this mental health space. And basically, people who just want change, I'm hoping that somehow I will be able to make an impact in doing that because I think that that is like, fuck, man, it is so hard to get a therapist. It is so expensive to get a therapist. The amount of therapists that I have called like nine times in a row and then they hang up or they never call back because they have too many clients. It's just there's so much missing in that space that it's 
It's pretty cool that you're doing that. And Thank do you, you think that this could be a play brain food that everyone can learn in school that teachers can teach and it be part of a you know a theater maybe not even yeah. a theater arts program but it could be part of you know what what is i mean uh i obviously didn't go to the right school but what was it health what was not health class what was sex, sex education yeah it could be like sex yeah, ed, but so, for your brain so yeah and so for us what we think about it as actually exactly is like the dare Right. Of social media mental health. Cool. So that's sort of the direction we're heading in. Sort of, hopefully, it'll be a little bit more effective and fun. I think everyone has, obviously, programs sort of phase out just right. due to the times. Yeah. But, you know, I think the art piece is really interesting and it's also really critical. And it's something we think a lot about in the classroom mm-hmm. because technology is such a fantastic place to create, right? right? And so if you're not creating, you're destroying. Yeah. If you're not connecting, you're being isolated. And so for us, when you know, we think about dynamic programming and what that looks like too, we're also thinking about unique ways and challenges for kids to work together to build solutions or build creative um, representations of the way that they're feeling to mm-hmm. have these dialogues. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've been pitching to a brand is basically doing a case study challenge with film schools across the United States oh, cool. and having young kids come together and build teams and we'll give them a budget to basically create films about technology mental health relationships all of those things and kind of bring them together as in, in like a festival format mm-hmm. uh, because they think that the way that we learn is by speaking to young people but the way that we move is by reaching hearts and that happens through art and that's why I do think it's such a critical part of this conversation and mm-hmm. it's also critical in sort of the direction that we're moving because you're just you don't connect when you're thinking about science you're not always thinking about your emotions right no. and I think we're trying to find that strike that balance right like we're going to teach kids yeah this is what social media is doing in your brain but here let's have an empathy workshop and we're going to bring out these de- this deck of cards and talk about social media mental health and you know try to you know bring some of these practices online and offline and Mm -hmm. build those relationships because young kids they do not know how to connect with people Mm -mm. their emotional talent intelligence is going way down and they're spending you know gen z is up to nine hours a day on their phones which is in their lifetime if they live to you know their mid 80s which in in this day and age we're probably going to get up there i still have a 102 year year old great grandmother oh my god adorable i know but you know if you look at it that way they're going to be spending up to five years of their life on their phones and when you put it that way (laughs) yeah and so this year that's why we did this digital resolutions campaign with young kids in new york and we brought them together, these young Gen Z activists and leaders, and we we're like, look, we want you to take a stance and to make a digital resolution to reallocate that time that you're spending on these platforms out into the real world to do something mm-hmm. and do something that matters or take care of yourself and, and prioritize your own digital wellness. Because another thing that we're seeing and what I saw or was thinking when I was starting Half the Story in college was, you know, I started thinking a lot about mental health and I started thinking not only about, you know, mental health, but as a young person and in, in the traditional lens of, you know, whether it's OCD, anxiety, depression or eating disorders, but also thinking about how technology will affect us in the next 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And I would hypothesize that if we are unable to really make digital wellness a priority for the next generation, that we are going to see increased rates of dementia. We're going to see increased all of these things because technology is really burning our brains Mm -hmm. and if you've ever looked at some of the brain scans we should call our our friend dr david on today dr david haggerty dr david haggerty today um you know it's it really is affecting the way that our our brain synapses are working Mm -hmm. and you know you can have addictions to 
to social media and and that's all real Mm -hmm. and that's why we need to start nipping it in the butt and it's a conversation we need to have because kids are getting bullied kids are losing their lives kids are doing all these things on these platforms and you know that is their world their Mm -hmm. their world is not the playground anymore their world is their tiktok their world is their snapchat and they're doing all of these things in the real world in tandem with these digital platforms well and it's so funny i was just talking about how um i always say it's so funny but it's not funny i just anyways guys like like, listen it's so funny um but i i was explaining to someone i was at a friend's birthday and i had met this amazing adorable girl and we were talking about you know is Snapchat actually like a real thing, right? Yeah. Is this something that people are actually using? Because for someone like me, I don't know how you are with it, but I'm going to use this girl as an example. Both of us were complaining that we have no idea how to use it. I've had it forever. I use it sometimes for the filters because they have a lot cooler filters. And I I, I think that their technology is actually better than Instagram and Facebook. And I totally. think, great. But what I was not aware of, in which I was, you know, brought to my attention was that kids actually use Snapchat to communicate and not in just texting, not in sending funny little memes. No, no, no. They use it. They communicate by sending video notes to each other on on Snapchat because it disappears right away. Totally. Or they just send faces. They're not even using their chins. Their chins. They're not even using the the their words. And and I thought that that was just bananas to me. I was like, I don't even believe that this is a thing. But it's true because I have cousins that deleted their Instagrams and deleted their Facebooks and are are specifically on Snapchat and now TikTok, and that's it. Totally. That's that's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. And I think especially with Snapchat, it's such a fast interaction, right? It's such a rapid interaction. It's that rapid There's speed, not really right? a full story mm-hmm. when you're on Snapchat. It's you can half the story. It is half the story. And, you know, you're not even really shaping your ideas in a, in a, in a cohesive way. And I mm-hmm. think that that's where Instagram is actually really beautiful and that there is this art of storytelling. There is this art of crafting the story. Uh, but I think the next gen, it's like their brains. I mean, just look at this. Like they're going towards these platforms or it's instant gratification, fast, mm-hmm. fast, fast, fire, right. fire, fire. And also, you know, we might be shifting away from the age of avocado toast and, you know, <laughs> all of that. But, you know, what we're shifting into is the shock factor. And they yeah. need this instant gratification. You know, they're jumping off things, throwing $100 bills in the air, doing all this crazy shit yeah, because they dangerous. want attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that... It's a cry for help. It, it's a cry for help. And, you know, it's the generation's cry for help. But it's, you know, it's really, really wild. The fact that there are, like, 18-year-olds living in the Hollywood Hills filming TikToks, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's great. Do you know there was a guy who's famous on Vine or TikTok or one of those things? Our IP Vine. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what those things are. I only know this because my mom's in real estate, so if anyone needs a realtor, she's here. Uh, But he bought a $7 million house because he was getting so much sponsorship money from Vine and TikTok. And I thought, what have I been doing my entire life as a struggling actress trying to create my craft to be perfect and not do the things that are stupid? And and it was it just like blew my mind how I, I'm not diminishing their in quote talent. I'm not diminishing yeah. what they do. But it just blew my mind that someone that literally was jumping off a roof and throwing dollar bills in the air was able to. Yeah. 
purchase something that most struggling musicians, actors, you know, kids who are in debt because of college cannot do. And he was like 15 years old. And you're just like, how? Yeah. And yeah. And I think there's also, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that, like, that can affect me and affect you because you're like, I'm hitting the pavement. Here I am talking about it. Yeah. I'm hitting the pavement every day. And it's really, really hard. And it's... It's fantastic because having these platforms is a great way to make money, but it also really consumes your life. And, you know, you're going to have to choose sort of do you want to live in the real world or do you want to live in the virtual world? And I think that a lot of these young kids are preferring this virtual world and this virtual fame over human connection. Right. And it's really hurting them. Um, But I also think it's just harder for, you know, in order to be present and, and stick to your craft and be good at what you do, like... When I'm actually doing shit, I'm not posting on social media 24-7. Right. And if I am, it's disrupting my thoughts, my my creativity, my Mm -hmm. flow, all of those things. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's really hard to grapple with, right? It's like, how do we create space? How do we have the sense of completion yet Mm -hmm. have these things that are creating so much pressure on a daily basis? Well, here's a question for you. How can, let's use me as an example. Yeah. <laughs> How is it, I, I I love connecting with my followers, my fans, my, you know, my little emotional support club, all of that. I am obsessed with talking to people as you are. You know, we can like talk to a Unfortunately, wall. Unfortunately, talk to this. a wall. We can talk to a wall. And I want to keep that connection and I want to... I want to feel connected and I want them to feel connected to me. But there is that part of me that's like, I need to turn my phone off. I need to focus on the real stuff that's going on in my life. I need to focus on myself, my health, my wellness, my work, you know, my creative space. My emotions. My emotions. But is there a healthy balance? Yeah. And and I think that's the thing that you have to find that works for you. And I think a lot of people, it's interesting because when I talk to parents or I talk to, you know, parents and teachers in schools, et cetera, you know, it's about setting behaviors at a young age and being Mm -hmm. really ruthless about them. And my example is like, you know, would you have ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day? No. Well, if I had a choice, I would. But no, it would get it would taste really bad and it would be disgusting after a while. Exactly. You'd be used to the taste. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of learn at a young age that, you know, ice cream is a dessert. Ice cream is not an and everyday it's special, thing. And that's what makes it special. Exactly. Right. And you create intention and ritual around it. And for me, when it comes to technology, obviously, social media is different than email because email is always kind of a part of it. I've started to build rituals around these things, right? Mm -hmm. So when going on social media, really having an intention for doing so, Mm -hmm. whether that intention be to catch up with friends, whether that intention be to post about what I'm doing that day or get inspiration or find other creators. Because I find the times that I don't don't have intentions on social media, I'm mindlessly scrolling to numb or not think about the thing that I need to confront. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we stop using social media as a way to pass time in times where we need to be really present, Mm -hmm. that we'll be able to unlock about ourselves, but also just unlock a better world to live in and our lives. And these young kids, they don't have the tools. They don't have those. And their parents don't know what to do because their parents got phones when they were 35 and now their kids are 10 and they're Snapchatting and, you know, all of that. There's so much pressure. And so it's really starts with building a ritual. You brush your teeth before bed. Okay, well, put your phone to bed, too. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things that we need to start thinking about because it's all about the small steps. But and also, it's like an addiction. It is an addiction, but also too, it's about having system in having systems in place to withhold that. So another thing that we've been working on is really building a way where we can go into these large corporations and basically do diagnostics on their digital wellness. And from there, being able to create some sort of coalition or like B Corp of digital wellness Mm -hmm. uh, where people companies are saying, you know what, I pledge to take a stance on this and I'm not going to have our social media managers working seven days a week and we're going to have people for CX because 70% of Gen Zs that leave the workplace are leaving their jobs because of mental health burnout. And these are also the people who are coming into these entry-level positions as Mm -hmm. social media managers, as community management, as uh, executive assistants, all of those things. And, you know, in this world, it's very hard to turn off. And so if these larger systems and these larger companies don't start building sustainable solutions and ways for employees to grow and take care of themselves along the way... People are going to break. And the more people that break, the more companies are going to break and the system will break. And so we're only humans. And the world will go away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not that dramatic, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. I think I know what you're saying. I I completely get it. You know, the other thing that that I want to touch on that I know you and I have both talked about is... Yes, this affects work. Yes, this affects our own mental health. But I think it also affects relationships. Totally. And I think it affects the way that we look at relationships, the way the world looks at relationships, the way we look at love. Like, look, I'm very, very blessed to be in a very healthy relationship for, you know, four plus years. Like, I love my man so much. Nothing's going to make me stray from this. But I don't need to be posting and showing pictures of that because for me, that's not what I'm trying to portray to the people in my life. Yes, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I would love to know you, you know, for you to be part of my relationship, but my partner is a very private person and I respect his privacy and if I do a post, it's to make fun of him because it's really silly, but I'm not going to be, you know, that kind of, that's not what our relationship is. Totally. But I do have a problem when I see people post relationships over and over And they're posting about how perfect their life is and how great it is. Or they have babies and they have this. And even though I'm the happiest person and I've never been happier in a relationship, I get fucking pissed off. I'm like, there is no way that you are that not. Excuse me. There is no way that you are that happy. I just don't believe it. And I don't understand, like, what is the part of me that's struggling with this? Why am I jealous? Am I jealous? Am I not jealous? It just rushes all these emotions. And instead of me being like, okay, chill out, Alessandra. You are like in love. You are happy. You are in exactly if I were to pick what I wanted in in a relationship and in a man, I got exactly what I wanted. So why am I over here mad that this one's going on a vacation here or he bought her, you know, these like, you know, Louboutin heels? Like, what what is it? And it just drives me crazy that I'm even here having this conversation about it. And I know that I'm not the only one. Absolutely not. And I think what's so crazy about it is that relationships are called relationships because they're between two people. Yeah. But when you add that to a social media platform, it completely changes the dynamic of the relationship. Right. It changes the expectations you have in the relationship. It changes the expectations you have for your own relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I've felt that way as well. You go on social media, you see this. It's like Valentine's Day this, Valentine's Day that. It's gross. Christmas this, this, that. Going on these expensive dates, doing all of these things. And you only see the highlights, but they're not even the emotional highlights. They're really the highlights of the things that these people can brag about Mm -hmm. that are oftentimes just materialistic and sometimes they're and, bullshit yeah and guess what and, and it's not a competition of who's more romantic or you know who gets better this who gets better that it's going back to the point that a relationship is between two people mm-hmm. and as soon as you start looking for external validation for your own relationship there's a problem there's a problem and i'll tell you I know in past relationships that I've been in, specifically the last one I was in, I've never been more miserable, more in a mentally abusive relationship in my entire life. And I was posting pictures like a thirst trap queen, (laughs) like, so, oh my God, so in love, like we're having the best time, like, oh my God, look at our matching outfits, look at what we're doing. And I think to myself, I was posting more about that person when I was the most miserable I've ever been in my entire life. And anyone else from the outside would have thought, God, I want what they have. And the joke was, I was dying inside. Like half the story, half the story, half the story. But that's the thing is, I think that even with social media, people that are over explaining over showing specific things in their life it's almost a way it's a reflection of what they need mm-hmm. which is validation mm-hmm. in that thing right and so for these people and i've seen it too it's like i'm like oh my god you look so happy da, 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 da. and they're like actually fuck this i just had a kid with this person we're not doing well this kid was going to be the band-aid i have so many friends that are like you know married can't really figure it out and i also think too What it does is it creates an idea of what a relationship should look like in 2020. And I think, you know, there's a lot of this rewriting the rules of like, what is a healthy relationship? That means something different for everyone. Some people it's closed. Some people it's open. You just don't know what's going to work for you. And I think that that's another problem is that we think, you know, I've been having so much anxiety seeing all these people my age getting married, having kids. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on the marriage thing. It's stressful. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I'm stressed. Like we went to prom together. I know these people like they're married. They have their shit together. They bought a house. Now they're they're having having kids. Yeah. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, you know, and I'm like, well, I feel like I'm doing what I need to do, which is following my passion, but I'm just not ready for that. And, and I think that's the part that makes social media so hard, especially for me recently is like scrolling and feeling like, wow, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm not ready for this Mm -hmm. or like, Am I ever going to be ready to do this? Mm-hmm. Like and, and like that. And it it conflates and it makes it very hard to listen to yourself when you're just looking what everyone else is doing. And it's so totally. annoying. It's so, so annoying. Totally. And you can be I, I know that when I was single right before this relationship that I'm in now. I would see all of these people that were getting married. Like for me specifically, that's when it affected me the most was because I was single and I was lonely and I was upset. And I thought, what the fuck, man? I'm like, I'm a good girl. Like I'm a good person. I love with all that I love. And I'm focusing on myself and I just want to be in love so badly. And how are these people who I know are like shitty human beings, like getting these guys that are treating them like princesses and like, The thing was, they weren't happy, and I shouldn't have thought, 
okay, well, these girls are getting everything they wanted and more because a lot of them, you know, some ended up in divorce, like some were cheated on, some were, you know, fell in love with the wrong person and now are with the right person. And we're like, we shouldn't have made the mistake of getting married so young. But at that time, I was so pissed off because I thought, what, what, what do I have to do? And I also was coming out of such an abusive relationship that I thought well, you weren't ready for that. At that I point. was not ready for any of that. And I, I, you know, and then I went to post my thirst trap pictures. You know, <laughs> But, you know, and it's true. And even now I see all of my friends, you know, I'd say like 80 percent of my friends are married and a lot of them are having kids. And I am not there yet, and I don't even know if I really truly believe in marriage for myself. Like, I know that I'm in a happy partnership, and I can't imagine being with anyone else in my entire life. And I am perfectly happy with where I am because for the first time, I can breathe. The first time, I'm not worried, like, oh, my God, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't do this, I'm just like, this is how it is. And, like, life is great right now, and I don't need to prove that to other people because I almost am now – at the point where I'm like witchy and I'm like, I don't even want to post anything because I think that that's jinxing things. Totally. You yeah. know, I used to laugh. I used to always have um, uh, like wear necklaces or rings with whoever I was with at the time, like their initials or their name. And when I met Sturgis, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get a Sturgis necklace. My mom was like, don't jinx it because you've done that for every single guy and every single relationship ended really badly. Like. I love Sturgis. Don't mess this up right now. And it's so and true. And you're like, fine, I'm not and getting you know the necklace. Why it is? It's because I was finally independent of myself. Yeah. And I didn't feel that codependency to be like, I'm going to brand this person's name on me because we're in a relationship. And it was the first time that I was like, cool. Like, I'm Alessandra and I love myself for who I am. And this is just bonus. And that's it. And that's what it. you just said. That's it. And I think until you can truly love yourself, which takes a lot of shit to get and there. And I'm not there yet. I'm like 60 percent there. Hey, but it's, it's, no, a, it's, it's a life, none. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah. And I think you always evolve. And I, I really think, you know, the, the key to self-love is reinvention and oh being God, able. That. Yeah. Being being able to pick up. And have a new chapter, not identify yourself with a specific period of your life because yeah. shit changes. You know, one it day, one decade, you day. might be one decade, you might be a, you know, you might be an author. One decade, you might be a spokesperson. What de- one decade, you might be a mom. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that as a society and as women, we get so caught on these ideas and goal. I'm very goal oriented. But sometimes it's about letting go and realizing mm-hmm. that you just need to be yourself and that person might be different today. It might be that different tomorrow and that's okay. I don't want to like bring this up because I'm going to cry because I always cry when I bring up Kobe Bryant, but um because it was it was like my hero. So we're not going to get into that. But the one thing that I am taking from his passing and the tragedy and and what he has taken what has he's given to us excuse me is not only was he the biggest supporter of young females and and doing all this there was the quote and i'm going to say the quote wrong but i'm going to post the quote so i get it right but basically what he was saying was you know he was told his whole life that he was a basketball player and that's all he could be 
and just stay in your lane. And that's all you can be. You can never be anything else. And he was like, but I want to be an author. I want to win an Oscar. I, you know, want to reinvent myself every single time. Don't put me in a box. And I will always remember when I saw him win that Oscar, I was like, God, basketball has been my life, right? And I never in a million years would have thought that a basketball player would then be able to create a story that would be Oscar worthy. And I thought, that is so incredible. I want to be like that. I want to be able to do things that I didn't know that I could do because people told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I want to go above and beyond. And just like you're saying, we all have different chapters and we all have different decades and we all have different things that are going on in our life and different goals. Like, look, I always thought there'd be a part of me that would be in technology, but I always knew like 100% I wanted to be an actress. That's all you can do. You have to give it 110% and that's it. But you know what? Fuck that. I want to be a CEO of a computer technology company. I want to be a writer. I want to write a book. I never thought I'd have a podcast. I want to have a podcast. And why and here not? I am and and why the hell and why not? not? And that's and that is it. Is like life is short, and I see it that way too. I'm like, if I want to do something, I do it. I don't care. I don't care if I'm not an actress. I don't care if I'm not these things on paper. But none of that matters. I it haven't used matter. a resume since I was a sophomore in college. And guess what? My resume was a fucking silhouette that was an interactive PDF because I don't want to follow the rules. Amazing. And like you know, I think if you want to live a fulfilling life. Life, you have to rewrite the rules because as soon as you try to put yourself in a box when you don't feel like you're fitting in it's suffocating yeah and I think that's the same thing in love it's the same thing in work it's the same thing in careers like all of that is like you cannot fit in a box because you are uniquely yourself and the more that you can become connected to who you are the more your world will open and that's why self-love is so beautiful okay so can we take that little clip and replay that in our life like every single day because that is why self-love is important and I really love that I am going to finish this conversation with my final question that I ask everyone yes Lars what makes you wake up in the morning and want to continue on with your life Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you how I wake up in the morning. Every Please. day I wake up and I put on Nappy Roots, good day. And I've been jamming to that since I was 18 years old. And that's what I do. I wake up every day. But the reason why I do what I, why I do is because in my life, I truly believe that my life will be measured by the amount of people's lives I can touch and the amount of people's lives that I can change. And that's what gets me up every morning. That story that I hear, that opportunity to, to connect and show people that they have the potential to do anything they want. Half the story is my chapter right now. I think it will be what I do for the next 10 years of my life. But what I really aspire to be is someone that gets people to wake up and look in the mirror and be like, fuck yeah, I'm doing this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter your circumstances. Doesn't matter who's telling you no. Because if you can believe in yourself, other people will believe in you. And that's my mission. Well, I believe in you. I believe in you. Oh, thanks, honey. Um, I love you so much. I really... I know that this episode is going to be very important to a lot of people who are listening because you have... um, connected to so many different types of humans in this world already and just your voice is so soothing and your beliefs and your heart and your soul that you give to half the story 
uh, it completes my whole story is basically what I'm saying. Mm. And I thank you so much for sharing this. And I would love to do this again live. I'm down. Let's do it live. Doing it live. I want to do Brain Food, the musical. I'm just, I'm ready for it all. And I'm so proud of you. And I just need you to know that. Mm. Um, Well, I'm proud of you. And, you know, this is, life can't, life isn't easy, but. It's better that's, with people in your life. Yeah, but it's also how you connect to people. And that's yeah. my thing is like human struggle is universal. Yeah. Everyone has a half the story and that's it. Not that's everyone it. has this other, all the glitz and glam and, and whatever that is. And, you know, as long as we can see people for who they are. Right. I think the world will head in a better yes. place. Oh, I love that. Well, I love you so much. I love you and too. And I love each and every one of you who's out there listening right now. Um, and thank you for listening to Emotional Support. Yay! Emotion. Al. Support.